Welcome back to BTW, Baltzfila Workshop, here at the Database with Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg, where today we are going to be diving right into our Shavuos content, starting with an idea that was actually recommended by a listener in London. Did you know we have listeners in London? Pretty cool. Anyway, we have a listener in London um, who's a very kind, sweet fellow, and he actually recommended we do a workshop on Akdamas. And that actually um, sparked some more ideas that we'll see later in BTW in the coming days. But I thought it'd be great actually to start with Agdamas. So we'll focus on Nusach, but more importantly, we're going to focus on meaning. Because Agdamas is very long. Right? The word Agdamas literally means introduction, but um, for an introduction, it's a very long introduction to Kriyasa Torah. It's the part of davening on Shavuos morning. Um, right after Hallel, right after the Torah is taken out, just before the Torah is read from, just before the Kohen gets his aliyah, right? The Kohen has been called up, he's standing there, and then all of a sudden, just when you're ready for the Torah to start being read, like normal, you're ready for him to make the bracha, and all of a sudden they start singing this weird song. Um, it's some kind of an acrostic, a lot of it is in alphabetical order, some of it is not, but it's actually spelling out the name of the author, who we'll name very soon. But we, we, we start off this really long um, and esoteric tefillah. It is written in Aramaic, which is hard for most of us to understand. This is even if we understand Hebrew, that Aramaic is all the more challenging. And I'll tell you one thing. When you are, you know, when you are up there in the morning, um, in whatever, whatever we hour it is, you, know, you just daven, let's say you daven um, vesikin, so you're probably very tired. And I'll tell you when is not a great time to try to learn the meaning of Akdamas. Write that in there. And if you try to figure it out then, it's probably going to be very, very difficult and you probably will not understand what the tefillah, what the song, what the poem is about. And we would like to know what the poem is about. And we would like to have some understanding of what we're saying, especially since it's very difficult. So after we do a little bit of the nusach, we will focus on the meaning. Um, we're not going to go exactly line by line, but we'll, I'll give a basic breakdown, and I'll even um, reference the page in the Art Scroll Maxer that all of these, uh, this is on so that you could follow along if you would like to. But we're going to break up the Akdamas by, um, into, I guess, I have here nine parts. It's very long, nine parts, just to give you the content of each section of the Akdamas, what each part is about. Okay, so we'll, and we'll do that. So first, let's just, let's just backtrack a little bit. The tefillah was composed by Rabbi Meir ben Yitzchak, who lived in the 11th century in Warren's Germany. And Art Scroll uh, at least refers to this as um, that it might be Judaism's best known and most beloved piyut. Wow, you know, so I, I didn't know that. Um, maybe I don't love it enough. Maybe most people don't. But um, and apparently it's, it's 90 verses long. So again, it's very long, which is why we can't go through it line by line, but I would love to tell you what each chilek is about. Maybe we'll highlight some of the lines and we have the, so we have an alphabetical acrostic here. And then after the Aleph base is over, we have an acrostic spelling out Meir, Be'er, Rabbi Yitzchak, Yagdil, B'Torah, Uvamas, and Tovim, Amin, V'Chazak, V'Amatz. So, um, the, the author, um, giving himself a nice bracha. Okay, so that's really um, the basic of the tefillah. It does not tell us what the tefillah is about, and we'll have to get to that shortly. But let's do a little bit of the nusach. 
So the breakdown of the tefillah when it's said in, in, in Minyan on, on Shavuos morning is usually, um, it's usually that the, that the chaz and the bal tefillah will, or maybe, maybe even the gabai, I'm not really sure who's, dead, who's supposed to say it, but whoever, whoever's up there is going to say it. Um, and so whoever the chazan is, he reads the first line, and then the congregation reads, uh, or he reads the first two lines, and then the congregation reads the next two lines. So it's trading off two, 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 two. So, um, so it's ninety verses long, but everyone is really only reading half of that, um, and the and the and the baltfila is also only reading half of that. Um, so the so and and we'll get to the nusach very soon. And the nusach. You might be wondering, oh, it's a very familiar nusach when you hear it. So what I will tell you is that the nusach for Akdamas is really the same nusach for the Yom Tov Kiddush. And it's also the same nusach for the calling up of the Chasen Torah and Chasen Bereshis on Simchas Torah. So the nusach, which hopefully by now we're familiar with it, so for a kiddush, it's Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam Borei Peri Hagafen, and for uh, for Simchas Torah, the nusach is, is the same, but the words are different, right? So for Chasen Torah, for example, it's Meirashus Hakel Hagadol Hagibar Vehanura Umeirashus Mipaz Umipenimim Yikara, and so on and so forth. So now I just also I have the art scroll interlinear Shabbos Yom Tov sitter here, and it just says that if you want to see more on this tefillah on this piot, you can look at the art scrolls Akdamus Milin by Rav Avraham Y Solomon. So if you want to know more that I'm not sharing here, so you can look there, which gives a whole commentary to this piot. And if you again, if you really want to understand the piyot and you want to be able to understand it before Shavuos, so you're not just dreading and waiting till the end of it, so get an art school moxer or get an art school interlinear sitter, and you can just look at the English and see what the tefillah is about. We'll give you a basic understanding. So for the nusach, we basically got the nusach from everything I just said, and I'm just going to now plug it in to the first few words of the akdamus. So it will sound like this. Akdamus milin visharius visharius shusa avla shekilna harmonu shusa. I could do that again just to make it a little bit more smooth. Akdamus milin visharius shusa avla shekilna harmonu shusa, which literally means in introduction to the words and commencement of my speech, I begin by taking authorization and permission. And then the, when you say that line, then the congregation answers. Um, so that's the base, right? So in two and three sections, I shall commence with trembling, with permission from him who created everything and shields it till its hoary age. So really the first four lines and really the first section of the Akdamus is asking Rishos. And this is similar to what we have in Yom Emerayim Davening, that, we, uh, that we're asking um, Hashem for Rishus before we beseech him. Now, the Akdamas was made specifically as an introduction to the Aseris Adibros, which is going to be lained about in the Kriyasa Torah. So when we say Akdamas Milin, 
in an introduction to the words. So the Art Scroll Commentary down here says that the Milan, the words, is a reference to the Ten Commandments. The Asaris had Dibros. Dibros can be words, but they could also mean statements. Maybe Milan here is referring, is referring to statements. So now we're asking Rishos, before we talk about the Asaris of Dibros, we are giving it a grand entrance, and that's really what Akdamas is. Okay, now the next section, which is really um, the letters Gimel through Vav, is talking about how Hashem's glory just isn't quantifiable. So just to give you some English, um, His is eternal strength and that could not be described. Even if the heavens were parchment and the forest were quills, if all the oceans were ink as well as every gathered water, if the earth's inhabitants were scribes and recorders of initials, the glory of, of the master of heaven and the rule of earth. In isolation, he established the earth and controlled its expansion with constraint. Um, right, well, and that seems to be like a reference to Tzimtzum. Right, so, but, but anyway, they, they, so um, that, that's what's referring to. He perfected it without fatigue and without weariness and with a letter slight and lacking substance. So, we're t- so it's talking about Hashem's creation of the world. It's talking about how we can't fathom Hashem. We can't even quantify His praises. Okay, so yeah, we're going to try to do our best anyway. But that's so all of that is Gimel through Vav. The next section, um, which is in my, in my, uh, my, my breakdown is section 3. This is Zion through Tess. And what we're saying here is where we're describing how Hashem actually created the angels, and the angels actually need Rishos to praise Hashem. Even they can't approach Hashem to praise Him without asking Rishos. So we're now modifying our Rishos that we're asking for, and we're just saying, by the way, even the angels can't. So there we say that He readied all of His work in those six days when He created the world. Then the splendor of His majesty ascended upon His fiery throne. A host of a thousands and a thousand thousands and tens of thousands served Him. New ones flow forth every morning. Hashem is constantly creating these new angels. How great is your faithfulness, right? Um, similar to Rabba Munasecha, but this is in the Aramaic, um, which means Sagia um, Tarashusa, which would be the Aramaic equivalent of Rabba Munasecha. Sagia means Rabba, means a lot. Tarashusa apparently means his faithfulness. And then we say, even greater are the flaming seraphim, each one with six wings, until permission is granted them, they must be still in total silence. Okay, fine. Then in section four, we kind of describe the Kedusha that's recited by these angels that we just described. So now we just described how the angels need Rishos. Right? They need Rishos to praise Hashem. And we're going to see, I'm actually going to give you some of the Aramaic, because some of these words, even in the Aramaic, will be familiar to you because they are said in Uvalatzion, which also records the Aramaic version of Kedusha. For anyone who's wondering, when we say Uvalatzion in the morning, um, what are we actually saying? So we're describing how, also again, how the angels recited a Kedusha. And, um, and, and then also I'll say this with the Nusach, and then um, I'll translate. Yikabalun, Dain Mindain, Shave de la Bishashta, Yikarmele Cholara, which means upon receiving permission from one another. So the Malachim, they actually ask each other, Yikabalun, Dain Mindain. In unison, with no delay, they chant, Yikarmele Cholara. What does that mean, Yikarmele Cholara? That's the Aramaic equivalent of Baruch Kavodashem Mkomo. Right, Yikarmele, Yikar means his glory, Mele Cholara will fill the entire world. Lislose Kedushta, which means, with the tri, you know the the the, the triad of, of kadosh, which is kadosh kadosh kadosh. 
So it's literally describing Kedusha. Right? Um, and so then it continues, like the sound emanating from the Almighty, like the sound of torrential waters, Kruvim responding to Galgalim, which is apparently another kind of angel, exulting in a crescendo, seeming to the human eye like arrows flashing from a bow, to every place that they are sent, they hasten anxiously. They chant the blessing. Um, blessed is his glory. So we have that as well here. Right? So, um, um, if the, uh, so we just did Kablun Kichom in Kadam. So we have, uh, again, Nevarchim Beriach Hikare Bechol Lishan Lechishusa, Miasar Beshrintei Dlatsrich Bechishusa, which means so the, the words Berich Yikare mean Berach Kavod. That's literally what they mean. Berich Yikare means Berach Kavod. Like we say, Berach Kavod Hashem Komo. And we say, Miasar Beshrintei, which means from the place where he dwells. Is exactly that meaning, mimkomo. Okay, so just to give you this idea, and then just to give you another example, we say in this also in the Akdamus, which means, that we are actually asking, or we're praying rather, and we're praising that may his kingdom glow eternally from one generation to the next. Okay, so, so just so you have this idea, so this is um, Yud all the way to Samach is describing the Kedusha, which, by the way, is significant because we're talking about the angels and the Seraphim and all the things that we saw. You might recall that in Parshas Yisro, there is a, uh, that the Haftarah for Yisro comes from Yishayahu, and the Haftarah for the Kriyasa Torah for Shavuos is from Yechezkel. Both of them are describing the Merkava. Both of them are describing angelic sites. So it makes sense because during the Kabbalah Satora, the Matan Torah itself, Maimon Har Sinai, so Chazal tell us that we were able to see the Merkava ourselves. We saw the Divine Chariot. We saw the angels singing and dancing. So we're describing that in our introduction to the Aser Sedibros, this grand introduction so far, we asked for Hashem. We talked about how Hashem's glory isn't quantifiable, and yet the angels they need the Rishus to praise him because, again, Hashem's glory isn't really quantifiable or qualifiable. But again, the angels are, are given permission to try, and therefore they are given the Kedusha. Now, section 5, which takes us from Ayin to Pei, um, it's where we talk about the Maila of being a human. Because apparently, there is something better about being a human. Because uh, the line says, Adavi sante chavivin divik vata. Which means, but the portion of his precious inheritance is better. For with regularity, so what do we say? Avidim lechativa bidinach ushikata. That we regularly serve Hashem. We make Hashem our sole desire, both at sunrise and at sunset. It could be by saying Shema. And we carry out His will by learning the Torah. Right? So we humans have the potential to be on a higher level than the Malachim. How so? Through Torah study. So this comes up in the next the next section, which is really some. Um, I, I put this section all together, talking about the glory of mankind. So in Sadi through Kuf, no, maybe through Reish also actually, it's talking about how we have Talmud Torah, which makes our tefillah more effic- um, you know, efficacious, effective, and we talk about how Hashem wears the crown of our tzlusa besides for his tefillin. I'll, I'll show you where these words are. But we say, for example, which means the toil, which means in study, 
Now our tefillas are more effective. Then when we talk about the special crown that Hashem wears, this is in Kuf, um, they are wreathed with an oath into a crown. What's they? Our tefillas. Right? Um, Hashem, um, fine. Um, besides for his precious tefillin, it rests with regularity. What does it say in the tefillin? The magnitude of Israel, the reciters of Shema. In other words, right? We know that's the pasuk based on we we say this every Shabbos at Mincha. Hashem declares us one, and we declare Him one in saying Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. The pasuk, the original pasuk of Atachad v'Shimcha Chod Mikam Chayisrael, that comes from Divrei Hayamim. But the point is that Hashem's tefillin speaks our glory, while our tefillin speaks His glory. Now, from section six, which is really the end of the alphabetic acrostic, it goes from Shin all the way till, um, and it hits Shin and Tuf, and then it goes into the Mayor. Um, um, what is it, Meir um, Be'er Rabbi Yitzchak? Or um, at least the, um, the beginning of the Yitzchak. Um, so that, that whole section um, is a little bit of a polemic against Christianity. So I guess this tells us a little bit about when the tefillah was written. But see, we're asking, um, we're, we're talking about how, um, so I'm looking at the, uh, the art scroll which quotes the Mavo Hashir which says that the Christians ask for proof that God washes and protects Israel and that their hoped-for Messiah would ever come. Surely the very opposite seemed to be true, with Israel being murdered and tortured without without God's intercession. So that was what's, what was happening, I guess, at around the time that this this piot was written. So we have a polemic that, that describes um, the Bnei Israel versus the Christians. And we're, ask, and we're basically asking that Hashem show himself to us. And then... Um, by the time that we had to actually get to the part of the acrostic, which um, is the name Yitzchak, who's his father. So we have what I have here as section 7, which basically states that after all is said and done, there is going to be Geula, there's going to be Sechar, Hashem is going to be there for us. Okay, and that's that's basically what's happening in the next bunch of lines. Then I have a section 8, which begins to talk about that which we find at the Gemara at the end of Tainus, when we're able to point at Hashem and we say, that is He. Ale Ramze Dein Hu. Dein Hu is um, the equivalent of Zehu. Um, or, or, or pointing at Hashem, and you know, we're, all, we're all looking at Hashem in the circle, or we're all dancing around. It's the Gemara at the end of Tainus. We point at Hashem and we say, this is Hashem. Okay, fine. Then section 8, at the very end, um, and I, I, I said I have nine sections, so we're almost at the end. Um, so at the very end, we have a, a, dis- a description of the Leviathan and the Behemoth, or the Behemoth, the Leviathan and the Behemoth. So we have a, a giant sea monster and a really scary ox. Um, and there apparently there's a there's a Midrash that talk about the war that they're going to fight. Psukim at the very end of Eov talk about this. And it says here that our... Um, the sport with the Leviathan and the ox of lofty mountains when they will interlock with one another and engage in combat. I've heard that maybe that refers to the Christians and, and, and Islam, perhaps. With his horns, the behemoth will gore with strength. The fish, or the Leviathan, will leap to meet him with his fins with power. 
And then it says the Creator will approach them with His mighty sword. All right, so the Leviathan is described here by name. The Behemoth is referred to as the Tar, which is an ox. Later, it calls him the Behemoth. With his horns, the behemoth will gore. All right, okay, fine. The Creator is going to approach him with his mighty sword, and a banquet for the righteous he will prepare and feast. All right, we know that when we say goodbye to the sukkah, we talk about the sukkah that we're going to sit in, which is made from the skins of the Leviathan, and we'll be eating the behemoth, the behemoth, during that meal, whatever that means. So a banquet for the righteous who will prepare and feast. They will sit around tables of precious stones and gems. Before them will be flowing rivers of balsam. They will delight and drink their fill from overflowing goblets. So obviously a very beautiful picture is, is described here. Bechase Rivayasa. Kase Rivayasa should sound very familiar. It should sound like Kosi Rivaya. Right? Kosi Rivaya. It's the same thing. Uh, our glasses are overflowing. Our cup is overflowing. Or it's turning over. And we say of sweet wine that since creation was preserved in pressing tanks. Okay, fine. And at the very end in section 9, what we're actually asking Hashem for um, is that we want to, we have a bracha that we should be zocha to experience this. And then we talk once again about how he gave us the Torah. Which means, um, O righteous ones, right, this is in Chazak Matz. So, O righteous ones, just as you heard the praise with the song, so may you appoint among the, that company Okay. So some may you be appointed among the company, being privileged to be seated with um, in the foremost, foremost row, right? When the saints go marching in, we want to be in the number, essentially, is what we're saying. And if you listen to his words that emanate in majesty, and finally, we're going to say, he is exalted God in the beginning, and when all is done, He desired and selected us and gave us the Torah. And right after that, which you will probably hear, is or whoever the Kohen is, he'll say the Aliyah, he'll get the Aliyah, and then you will proceed with. But hopefully, you have a somewhat of a better appreciation of Agdamas. We know the Nusach, we're ready to go. The Ezra Hashem. And um, again, you, um, we'll, we'll pick up next time with some more fascinating pieces from the Shavuos davening, the Ezra Hashem. Until then, I'm looking forward to davening with you in the future. Thank you for joining us here at the database.